Hey guys, so I just wanted to give a quick disclaimer uh, before this episode. Ben and I recorded this uh, before kind of like the general consensus uh, cultural discussion around this movie um, had kind of hit the internet. So um, we we wanted to acknowledge uh, some things we've heard, some feedback we've heard specifically from parents uh, regarding how this movie was marketed um, because this movie really was uh, the, the trailers made it look like it was a movie for small children and a lot of parents have pointed out there's mature themes in this that are not necessarily for uh, small kids this is really a, a movie for older kids and it's really up to a parent's discretion as to what age uh, this movie is appropriate um, if you want a more detailed kind of uh, perspective on this movie from an actual mom. Uh, Morgan Stradling talks about this movie uh, with her co-host Chelsea Robson on the Animation Addicts podcast. So check out the Animation Addicts podcast uh, review of Turning Red um, for a mom's perspective on this movie. I think she has some really good opinions on that. And uh, yeah, without further ado, here's our review for Turning Red. You are clear to enter. Welcome to Pizza Planet. Welcome to Pizza Planet, a Pixar podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Gareth. And, and we're, we're your, your delivery, delivery guys. guys. Bringing you a square box of round, hot, cheesy Pixar goodness. Mm-hmm. We've got a bounty of slices in today's feast, so let's dig in. Uh, so, uh, Ben, are you? did you get some sun this weekend? Uh, no, I, I I'm, think I'm pretty pale, actually. It's the middle of winter. Well, it looks like you're turning red. Ah! <laughs> I am a little. I'm a little. You know, a little nervous. A little. A little uh, blushing. Wait, is um, that is that what it is when like blood rushes to your face? Is that called blushing? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm blushing a little bit. Oh, okay. Just because uh, your dog Joey is over there, so cute, and mm-hmm. it's just it's hard for me to contain my love for, for animals. Yeah. Well, it's ironic that you're turning red because that is the movie that we watched this weekend. Yes, we did. Yeah, it came out this weekend, although uh, listeners are going to note that uh, the movie came out like a month ago. But it, as of recording this, we we just watched it. It just came out this weekend. We're talking about it now. Turning Red. Turning Red, baby. The newest Pixar film uh, released on March 11th, 2022, directed by Domi Shi, um, who, by the way, is slowly becoming one of my favorite favorite Pixar directors. I don't know if this is uh, premature to say at the top of the podcast, but I mean, I'm a Pete, Dr. Andrew Stanton, Dan Scanlon stan all day, but Domi (laughs) Shi is a rising star in my book, and we'll talk more about that later. But uh, some quick stats uh, about Turning Red. Uh, It stars Rosalie Chang, Sandra Oh, Ava Morse, uh, Maitreyi Ramak, Krishnan. I should have practiced these names before I said them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're uh, so sorry. Hyen Park, Orion Lee, uh, Tristan Alaric Chen, Wei Ching Ho, and of course the great James Hong. Uh, he's in like everything. Um, but yeah, so uh, amazing cast. Um, uh, no box office stats since this was a Disney Plus exclusive release. But I will note, the budget for this movie was a hundred and seventy-five million, which is actually Ooh. on the lower end of budgets for Pixar movies that have come out since two thousand eight. So oh, okay. I think the last movie 
uh, that had a lower budget than this was from before that era. So, hmm. so yeah, that's a that's a pretty low um, budget for a Pixar movie, but also kind of average. Uh, the critics' ranking for this movie, uh, at least according to Rotten Tomatoes, as of right now, now this is opening weekend, so this could yeah, change. Just came out, but uh, it is currently the. 14th highest rated Pixar movie out of 26 on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Uh, it's got 95% with uh, 174 reviews. So that's the same score as both Wally and Soul. They both are 95%, but they, of wow, course, so have way more reviews because they've been out much longer. Yeah, that's high, though. Yeah. So, uh, so what were your uh, first impressions of the movie, Ben? Oh, wow. First impressions. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question, but I uh, <laughs> like like the the overall like aesthetic for me just was really really unique. Like mm. the movie straight out of the gate is like has fourth wall breaking. It has like like uh, what do you call it surrealist animation. Yeah, it has like a lot of anime inspiration. It's pretty clearly how how big of an influence um, like anime. Is I even saw like a featurette where the director mentioned Miyazaki, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's definitely oh, like yeah. Hayao Miyazaki influence. Totally. But like the and and another thing that I didn't expect the movie to carry into um, the rest of the movie, I thought like the intro was brilliant, but I was like, there's no way they're gonna keep doing these surrealist animations, and that's gonna endure throughout the film. But yeah. the the cutaway gags is something we rarely see in Pixar movies, where oh, it yeah. will be like suddenly it just cuts away to another, like, what's going on in the person's head, kind of. Yeah, yeah, that was really interesting. Um, that's the first thing I wrote down, is I wrote, like, you know, this this interesting stylized animation, um, these reactions. Uh, my first gut reaction when I was watching the film, and I wrote this down, is Encanto plus Mitchell's versus the Machines combined. Interesting. Actually, yeah, I could see that. For sure, the Mitchells versus the Machines definitely has a like similar stylized, like it, it, it's almost taking both those movies, Mitchells and the Machines versus, uh, versus the Machines and Turning Red, both seem pretty clearly inspired by 2D style animation, despite yeah. being 3D. Right. Yeah, they're both like very playful. The the animation, you know, fast paced, um, but I felt like. Yeah, you take you take just the quick pace, the the stylized animation, um, and you add that with like the the encanto of like the, this family dynamic mm -hmm. with you know this like motherly grandma figure kind of uh, with high expectations like that is like in both movies. And so, anyways, that, that yeah. was I felt like those movies coming together is kind of was was my initial uh, reaction of the film. Interesting. But, yeah. 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 Well, the the movie starts out pretty quick paced. Um, like I, I didn't time it exactly, but it feels like the story gets started very quickly. Like it doesn't drag its feet at all, introducing you to the characters. And I will admit, I was a little bit nervous when the movie started um, that I wasn't going to be able to relate to the characters. Um, because once we got to the meat of the story, it's like, oh, this is really a story specifically about like the experiences of a middle school girl, which I've never been a middle school girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was I, that made me nervous. But um, but yeah, we'll get into that more later. But I, I think that my my concerns were definitely nothing to be worried about. Like if if you're um, if you're listening to this 
and you're like, I don't know if I would enjoy turning red. It doesn't look all that interesting to me because if you're a dude and you just watch movies that are about dudes that expand horizons. Yeah, if that's if that's your concern, I I can assure you that this movie does have relatable. Like mm. empathetic characters, they're written in a very clever way, and I won't spoil anything yet. <laughs> and on that note of spoilers, <laughs> so this will be a light spoiler review. Yeah, yeah. Like we we don't intend to spoil the movie for anyone, um, but we're also not going to shy away from spoilers as it pertains to the discussion. So yes. if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. <laughs> go watch it, please. Please watch it. It's very well worth your time. So check it out, Disney Plus. Yeah. So um. Yeah, what did you think of the characters? Yeah, I uh, one of my other comments I wrote down was I loved the angry friend. Do you know remember oh, her name? Oh, Abby. <laughs> yes, Abby. I uh, loved that too. <laughs> I wrote down, reminded me of Brenda from Gravity Falls. Oh, yeah. That's a good comparison. Yeah, I was uh-huh. like, um, I love that Abby is always angry and then Priya is always bored. And yeah. like that dichotomy just adds so much like humor and flavor to their friend <laughs> dynamic. Cause I don't know if I know anyone in real life that's like that, but it's definitely like a hilarious quality that you can be seemingly uninvested on the surface, but you actually are like very affectionate or you're seemingly angry on the surface, yeah. but you're actually like very happy. Yeah. No, that, that, and that's, that, that's definitely a theme that we'll see play out in the film is like just having interesting quirky personalities and uh, and that being like okay, yeah. Um, but while also, like you said, you know, like that there's so much more to people than we see. Um, that there can be this deeper side, and that I, I just gotta say, you know, the just the friendship that they have with my, yeah, um, is 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 so moving. Yeah, actually, that's what I was gonna bring up. Is something interesting that I thought was that they portrayed um, Malin's relationship with her friends is very, very close. Um, we also f- forgot to mention Miriam is the the third friend um, who is a pretty quality friend throughout the movie. Yeah. But um, I, I really liked how it set up Malin's character at the beginning of the movie where she loves her friends, like, and that's very clear. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't necessarily put her friends below her family, but she also is able to say no to them and we see her like valuing her parents' traditions and stuff like that. And that's like an interesting balance that seems to be within Malin's character at the beginning of the movie, at least seemingly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, pronunciation wise, it's Malin, but does she go by Mai or is it May? I think it's May May. Like, they, well, they call her May. Uh, her mom calls her May May, but her name is Malin. So oh. it's like there's different. Yeah, there's different. Yeah, well, my apologies for saying my. That's my bad. Um, so, yeah. that's my bad. That's my. That's bad. May bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, she values her parents' traditions. And speaking of her parents, I really liked the dad character because, um, mm-hmm. like, throughout the movie, he's like super supportive, um, relatively neutral. Um, doesn't have a whole lot of impact on the story, but I think he's important because he helps ground the mom's character yeah. in reality. Like, the mom uh, is is kind of scary at times, and it's like an exaggerated portrayal of what, what middle schoolers view their moms as. And having the dad character there to really say, like, no, this is a grounded person um, 
it, it helps make her character a little bit more relatable, especially once you get to the end. We're going to talk about that more yeah. later. Her, her dad has a, has a critical role there, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, did you, at any point during the movie, feel, like, really bad for Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he's kind of a turd, so... <laughs> I felt really bad for him, but I don't oh, know. Well, so why did why did you feel bad for him? I don't know. I, maybe I relate to being the annoying kid who nobody likes. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of of Devin when you said Tyler. Um, uh, yeah, no, Tyler. Yeah, poor guy. He's just like he's just he's just like serving customers at the at the was it like a supermarket? No, 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 no. That's Devin. Wait, Devin. <laughs> Devin is the supermarket guy. I'm pretty sure Tyler is the kid who had the birthday party. Oh, okay, then I, okay, that is who I was thinking. About. Sorry, guys. This is one day since I've seen the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, he, yeah, he was. I felt like he was a turd because he like clearly makes fun of of May like throughout the film and says some really nasty things about her and her family. And so I was like, dude, kind of had it coming to <laughs> Well, maybe maybe that's just like a difference in experience because for me, like a lot of his actions and stuff felt very like grounded in like, oh man, this kid is coming from like a place of loneliness and like having been there around his age, I'm like, okay, no, this kid is, is probably one of the more interesting characters to me um, mm. as far as like, me seeing myself in him but mm. i mean he's not in the movie a lot so yeah. it's there wasn't a whole lot to dig into but i did feel bad for him oh i before we uh continue on i do want to mention the food scene towards the beginning there's with like their dad yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that just totally reminded me of bow with uh oh. the 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 short film that was in front of incredibles 2 so domi she who directed this movie directed bow yeah and um and the production designer for Bao, she carried on to the production design for this movie. Her name is Rona Liu. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, the the, the aesthetic, the visual aesthetic um, and themes in that movie, in that short film, Bao, yeah. uh, definitely are prevalent in this. But I feel like that was kind of like an homage when they showed all the food. And it, she's just like setting herself up as like an auteur of making movies that have like really yummy looking food in them. Yeah. <laughs> like animated food. Yeah. What do you call the the bread roll that was in uh, the I, is it a dumpling? Is it a um I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It will say it's a dumpling. It, it may <laughs> not be, but yeah, seeing that those the nods is like, "Oh, is this like a new Pixar Easter egg for mm -hmm. <laughs> But also the cooking scene reminded me of Ratatouille. I was like, "Oh, oh man." Oh, yeah, that's another good comparison. Tasty. If they ever made a uh Ratatouille sequel. Picks, picks. I'm just calling it. They should have Domi Shi co-direct with Brad Bird. Just saying. Ooh. Um, but uh, but yeah, like mentioning uh, Bao really quick. I did want to point out though. Um, I don't want to spoil uh, our any upcoming episodes where we talk about our favorite uh, Pixar theatrical shorts. But I do remember there was a time back when. Uh, this was first announced, like when Turning Red was first announced, Luca had also been announced. And I had this thought of like, oh, well, like Ben's favorite theatrical short director is already, like the Enrico Casarosa is already working on Luca. Okay. And then we've got my favorite Pixar theatrical short director, Domi Shi, working oh. on Turning Red. Yeah, so nice. I was like, this is going to be like a one-two punch right here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so uh, another interesting observation is that this movie takes place in Canada. Yeah, that was so interesting. Yeah. Um, 
because Pixar used to have a subsidiary in Vancouver, but that closed in 2013. Hmm. Yeah, this definitely feels very like like grounded in Canada culture, especially like at the beginning of the movie when uh, she yells at the vandals and calls them hosers. <laughs> it's a very Canadian thing to say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. That that I was like, oh man, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into the story. So for those who, who don't uh, know what we're talking about, Maylin turns into a red panda whenever she gets too excited. Spoiler alert. Um, well, it's in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, like one thing right out of the gate that I was like, okay, this is a little bit hard to swallow. Because uh, I know in our last episode, we gave a really hard time to Sid's parents, and I don't know if this is going to become a reoccurring theme where I'm just, like, ruthlessly hard on Pixar parents. <laughs> but uh, these seemed like really high stakes for Maylin's mom to not have told her sooner what was coming. Mm. Um, like, she even said that she was looking for the signs of the red panda, and... Yeah. Um, when her daughter literally told her that she's a gross red monster. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. She didn't even second guess what was she thought was happening. She yeah. just was like, oh, no, this is, I definitely know what's happening. You're you're a w- young woman. You're going through body changes. And, like, the, the never even occurred to her, well, maybe my daughter just turned into a red panda like all the women in our, like, family do. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. It doesn't second guess. She's just totally stuck on, like, you know, she's growing up and, and yeah. puberty and all that. Um, yeah, no, I, I will say I, I find that her mom is very complex because there's points in the film where you're like, she's an awesome mom. Yeah. Like, you know, like the scenes where they're cleaning and, like, they're having fun and, like, she's very supportive of May. Oh, yeah. But then other scenes where it's, like, she, yeah, she, like, it's terrible to her friends and, like, is, like, forcing her to be in a certain way. And so... um yeah, I, I found that like in that scene within in the bathroom, I, I was like, oh, it is funny scene, but also it's like, oh, like her mom really cares about her. Yeah, and it gets obviously too far. She's a little bit protective, uh, too overprotective. But I just found her mom like complex. Like she's not all bad. Yeah, like there's a lot of redeeming qualities to her. Yeah, too. and that kind of plays into my point of like one of the things I loved about this movie's approach to like family friends and like the way it portrays these like really nuanced dynamics is it feels very real and raw like it's a mm-hmm. fantasy movie but like all the emotions are so real so like tangible mm-hmm. um and it's just yeah it's very raw um parental cycles are a big theme in this movie and yeah. that was like another yeah. like very heavy place that the movie went that I wasn't expecting it to go yeah yeah i like they went that route so yeah, you're right. Like the mom really is a very real character. She's not just like just good or just bad. Like there's nuance to her, and that's you know probably a testament to both the writing, the directing, and Sandra O's performance. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other thoughts on the story before I share my hot take? No, go ahead, man. Okay, so my hot take is that this movie does what Brave tried to do with the mother-daughter story, but Mm. way better. Okay. And it did what Luca did with the coming-of-age story, but not necessarily better. It just did the same thing. Uh And what's ironic is that all three of these movies revolve around uh, transfiguration. So, like, what's going on at Pixar that they're wanting to make metaphors about emotional puberty using, like, 
transforming into a monster, transforming out of a monster, like whatever. Yeah, that's um, a good point. The mom in Brave turns into a bear. Um, and then, like, the relationship between the, the mother and daughter is very similar in that movie to this movie. Yeah. But the, this one, the, the daughter turns into a giant red panda. Yeah. And she turns into a giant red panda as a metaphor for emotional puberty. And then Luca turns from a monster into a human as a metaphor for emotional puberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It's coming of age. And you can even see it even with with Disney, yeah. Um, with like I mentioned, Uncanto, but this similar thing too with like, um, oh, what's her name? I'm terrible with names. Uh, Mirabelle. Uh, yeah, Mirabelle. Uh, when she's uh, you know like growing up and coming to find out like her her gifts and the and the whole family, but her and her grandmother both didn't have gifts either. So like, there was that kind of unity and like mm. having I don't know these 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 strange things and. Um, yeah, no, it's it really is interesting. Uh, they're kind of going on that thread for sure. Yeah. So um, I also wanted to mention, it's worth noting that um, this is a rare instance of a movie being like all female leadership. Um, I don't know if you watched oh, yeah. after after the movie. I watched the uh, Embrace the Panda behind the scenes featurette. Oh, did you? Uh, okay. it, it's like a little bit less than an hour. Uh, it, it basically it just goes into a lot of detail about like the um, people behind the movie and like their inspiration for various things and what their life was like while they're making the movie because um, a large part of production occurred during quarantine. Um, but yeah, the entire like leadership team over this movie was all women. Um, oh, and cool. so in, in and they they kind of highlight how that is a very significant milestone in Pixar. Nice. Um, so to me, I feel like that blows me away that, it's addressing female specific topics like mother daughter stuff that yeah. like I I've never been a daughter but like I can definitely like appreciate like what this like the reality of this story like the real elements that I recognize are coming from the director yeah um, it's a very very personal story yeah and those are always the best stories in Pixar you yeah know? like that's what makes Finding Nemo so great is Andrew Stanton was written about his um, with his kid and, and you know being feeling overprotective yeah. with with his child, and so those are always the best Pixar films written from an honest place, and it's always going to be relatable if it's written from from a human, a real human experience, because we all experience these things. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk more as we go about uh, takeaways and stuff, because as you mentioned, you know, talking about these other Pixar films, um, like Brave, um, and then uh, you mentioned Incredibles and. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned in content, not, not a Pixar movie, but there's also this this layer of of uh, of expectations mm -hmm. that's a common thread, and feeling like um, like a character like characters feeling like they're not enough. Yeah, for the for their families and for, and for who and for who they love, and that's a really um, interesting message that Pixar is continuing to go with. Is um, yeah, characters feeling like they're, like they're not enough, seeking approval, um, parents having this this picture of who they should be um and that's um that thread is definitely has been strong in their films lately one thing i do want to mention uh talking about closer to the end of the movie in the third act um this is this is not a deep thought here but i just loved the four town chant mashup like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um which i don't know if you knew this but billy eilish and her brother phineas i guess wrote all the four town music for this movie whoa so it's like obviously inspired by 2002 boy bands <laughs> yeah. uh, but it sounded uh 
completely authentic. And Phineas was the voice of one of the the Four Town guys, I guess. So, oh, nice. But it just it reminded me of Scott Pilgrim because like movies like Scott Pilgrim where they will assign a specific like known popular music artist and say like, okay, hey, you're playing this character in the movie, so write music like you're writing for them. So like when oh, um, they had Beck, the music artist Beck, write all the music for Scott Pilgrim oh, so that yeah. they had like, it was a consistent sound, one writer writing all their music, but it was basically a performer performing as a fictional band. And they did the same thing with Clash at Demon Head with, with Metric. So it just is a really cool when, when movies do that, where they have like an actual musician playing a fictional musician in a movie, basically. Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, that was cool. I, when I saw the credits, I was like, oh, Billie Eilish. That's awesome. That like, yeah. she worked on these films. Speaking of, of Fortown, I definitely, uh, there were some nods I felt like. Maybe it's because with, like you said, there, there are, uh, there's starting to become more increasing films of Pixar films with, uh, with female leads. But thinking about Inside Out and Riley and her emotional experience of like coming of age and like there's scenes of her like in her bedroom you know crying and it, it was very uh reminiscent for um for me like thinking about um may and her bedroom you know like struggling with this this panda and like her feeling like alone and isolated um but then also on the flip side with four town it reminded me of in in the dream world when riley has like the there's like some boy is it a boy band or something there's like there's some like Maybe it's just some boy that she liked, but there were a whole bunch of them that were like copied. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think that uh, like I'd do anything for you, Riley, or <laughs> whatever. The, oh, I forgot about that. I, just, I don't know. That uh, was reminding me of, of of the four town, and I think it's just this experience of like middle school girls like having crushes, and yeah. I don't know. It just it, it reminded me of that. Um, and yeah, like just just to kind of end that note. Um, yeah, for for those who are skeptical, like you said earlier. I mean, I think um, I don't even when I when I watch films like uh, Turning Red and Inside Out with female leads, especially young girls and their and what they're going through. For me, it's like not only have I felt that way, um, and uh, whether it's you know feeling embarrassed or or, or ashamed of, of of certain parts of who you are, um, but yeah, just we all understand like what that was like, and um, it also there's a layer of empathy of like oh like. Wow, like I've never actually felt that way before, right. and and it's just like awareness, and it's just like it makes you so emotional. Okay, so <laughs> you just said something that this isn't even in my notes. You just said something that kind of struck a chord with me. This movie actually reminds me of the movie Eighth Grade. If you've never seen the movie Eighth Grade, go watch it. It's dire- written and directed by Bo Burnham. It's brilliant. But the reason it makes me think of that is because I I've been trying to like iterate what it is that impresses me so much about this movie and I think what it is is when you have a movie that builds bridges of empathy yes for yeah. for things like that are not shared experiences like for me I've never been a girl in 8th grade and that's what the movie 8th grade is about it's about a girl going through eighth grade Mm. and i i was homeschooled i am a male i did (laughs) not have that experience but when i watch that movie i feel like it gives you a heart for what those people who've had those experiences are going through and i think like that's what turning red does it gives you a heart it builds a bridge of empathy for 
girls who are going through this stage in their life. Mm. And it definitely, I think, is a powerful tool for families because definitely, like, if you're a dad or a brother mm. and you, you see this movie and you go, like, okay, this gives me a unique perspective that yeah. um, I would not be able to have based on my own experience. Yeah, I do. Totally, totally. And uh, the, this just reminds me of the, the scene with uh, when she's... Um, she does this presentation for her for her family with a, like a PowerPoint projector of like why she should go to this concert. Yeah, and you're watching it, and, it, and it's like it's so funny because you're like she's doing this presentation in her living room about why she wants to go to this this concert. But this is uh, not quite a Pixar feels, but uh, I got those for later. It's it's almost a Pixar feels. You know, me and you, Gareth. You know, we we used to be in a band back in the day. Yeah, we've been to many concerts together. Um, many a, a headbanging show together, like Foo Fighters and, and those kinds of bands. But um, I just think about like how awesome those experiences were. Yeah. And to some people, they'd be like, who don't understand like why you'd go to a, a rock show with a crowd of sweaty people mm-hmm. and like wake up with a sore neck and a, and can't speak for a whole day because you threw out your voice. Yeah. Uh, some people like that just looks like a, like like wild. But um, but to to them, they were like everything. In the in in the movie was based upon like we have to go to the show right and it sounds so silly but to them it's like they're finding out who they are they're finding out what they like to do and they're trying to get their parents to understand oh yeah and and they don't and it's like wow I've been there you yeah know? and well Domi she mentions I think it was her her or one of the the producers mentions in the uh, behind the scenes that this movie one of the the things that it effectively does is it captures the idea that when you're in a middle school, like specifically a middle school girl, everything is like way amplified. All emotions are heightened. And so like something that might not seem important in the hierarchy of like priorities, it just suddenly is exaggeratedly important. Um, So like a tiny amount of embarrassment is like, completely destructive (laughs) like a uh, tiny amount of excitement is just like the greatest thing ever and so it's just uh yeah to your point it is very accurate (laughs) yeah and it's interesting because she feels like she can't express herself because then she'll turn into a panda so yeah it's there's so many good layers to the film uh you want to get into the the ending just a little bit yeah what's your hot take okay so (laughs) Okay, this isn't, I, I, should, I should clarify, this isn't a big problem, but this is just my thought going out of the movie. Right. I'm just trying to be as unbiased uh, as possible and, and think about it, you know, critically and uh, objectively. Mm-hmm. So the message is ultimately positive, uh, but I can't help but question if it's universally applicable. Um, could it be possible that the struggle between being a good kid and being real is not always at odds with each other? Because I feel like that's what the movie mm-hmm. kind of portrays here is like she has to choose between being a good daughter and being herself. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that if someone were going to take an issue with this film's message, it might be because that person has not had an experience like Maylin's. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't know what the, the legacy of this movie is going to be. If people are going to love it, if people are going to hate it, if it's going to age well, I don't know. But I do know the people who don't like it, I feel like 
that is going to be a big factor in 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 the the negativity is that I can't relate to the idea of hurting my parents for being who I am. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's why I'm ultimately conflicted about the final line of the film, um, because it's presented as a call to action. Uh, I wish the movie had just let us sit in the implications of the message rather than literally inviting us to let out our inner beast. So I'll, I'll read you the line. I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. The final line of the film, before it cuts to credits, uh, Malin is talking to the audience, breaking the fourth wall again, saying... We've all got our inner beast, a messy, loud, weird part of ourselves hidden away, and a lot of us never let it out. But I did. How about you? And so it's an invitation. It's a call to action. And I, I don't know how I feel about that because mm. I feel like in my experience, most movies that end with a call to action, um, and I won't, I won't mention any names, but there's one specifically one that is – very clearly just propaganda. Okay. Like uh, anyone who's familiar with the film I'm talking about um, <laughs> knows that it's just a propaganda film disguised as like, you know, a fun movie or whatever. And so, um, yeah, whenever whenever a movie ends like that, it just makes me go, okay, like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought the same thing too. I was like, oh, wow, they really, like they really like, you know, uh, stamped it out for you. Like yeah. they literally said like, here's, this is what it is. And now, and now reflect. And like you said, you know, I think, and not only this movie, but I mean, what makes so, so many Pixar movies great is that a lot of it's like show don't tell, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and they definitely did, did telling there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which I, I don't want to, I don't want to fault the movie for it. Cause mm -hmm. I really like it, but that really is my main problem with the movie is just the way it ends kind of on a note of like, Hey, we're going to give you this, this call to action. And, hmm. and, and even though the, the, the message may not resonate with everyone, um, yeah. because like I said, some people may have grown up feeling completely secure in their own skin and still able to like be, be able to participate in their parents' traditions. And, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's great. Um, before you, I, I give you my hot take, but I was going to say, what do you think that it should have been? The message? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it really is just a matter of show, don't tell. Like, I think that yeah. the, the message isn't necessarily wrong, but don't present it as universal. Yeah, that you uh, don't, have to. Don't impart yeah. it like this is for everyone. Yeah, um, I think, that's fair. I think it... it it is a, a, a important message for kids to hear, especially if you're going through questioning um, of like, you know, whatever. Like if you're going through what Mei Lin is metaphorically going through in this movie, mm -hmm. then this is a good movie for you. Yeah. But I feel like when I was, how old is she, 13? Yeah. Yeah. When I was 13, I don't think I would have related to the experience of like having, not being able to see eye to eye with your parents, you know? Yeah, no, that, and that's fair. I wrote down like for the message. Um, I mean, there's obviously a lot, of, a lot of messages you can take away. Um, like, you know, just this idea of being true to yourself, um, not being afraid of liking things that aren't popular, um, not hiding the, you know, the messy side um, of yourself or, or just the different side of yourself, being authentic, you know, uh, we all wear different masks or when we're around different people. So mm -hmm. this idea of like peeling back the mask to show who we really are. Um, there's also some themes in the scene where at the end when she's trying to decide whether she wants to keep the panda, mm -hmm. um, there's, there's this message of like, you know, growing up, like 
what do we keep um, and what do we leave behind about ourselves? Mm-hmm. I think is a fascinating concept. Um, and then also like um, the way that her friends accepted her, panda and alls is the expression, yeah. um, which is really beautiful. And it's like questions like, do we have friends and family that would still love us if they knew the real us? Yeah. You know, and that, that's a really powerful message to think about too. So I think my main gripe with Turning Red is that um, they have a couple different messages that's that are in the film, and I kind of wish that they would have stuck with one. So here's kind of the message I think that they are going for. The message that they're presenting in the film is that we all have these beasts within us, which is like um, another way of saying that we have things within us that we don't want people to see. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are different or, or uncomfortable. And so we don't, want, we don't want people to see the real us. And so that's like the call to action at the end of the film. And that's the message that, that, that they're presenting. Um, but they also present a message that's interwoven with that, which is, you know, where do you find your worth? Do you find your uh, worth in the approval of others and the approval of what your family thinks about you and approval of what your friends think about you? Um, you know, those expectations of, of who you are. Um, and uh, that's another message. And to me, like that message that I just said, I think that one is what I wish they would have gone with. Um, I think it's it, it's what made some of the most emotional parts of the film, especially with her and her mom and her mm. grandma. Um, yeah. All has to do with that. And so I think I think both those messages they do go together, and it makes an interesting plot. And it makes it makes a good movie. But I think I'm I'm a little bit uh, confused by by both those messages, and I feel like they should have just picked one and it would have helped me to kind of like walk out of the film and really know what it's about. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's my, that's my main gripe. Um, I'm a little bit confused about the whole panda rage thing. Like when the pandas go rage, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So when, um, when May attacks Tyler, when he, when, when she attacks Tyler and yeah. she's in like rage and she like is like attacking him, her her mom made it sound like once they go into rage, they, it's hard to get out of it, or it's like takes the panda takes over. And her mom was in rage mode when she. I just thought that she was just mad, like normal mad. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure her her mom talks about like, you know, you have to be careful because um, the uh, the panda can take over, and then you and then you can like do things that you'll regret later. And she made it sound oh. like oh, like she was in rage mode when she attacked her mom. Okay. And she like like she normally wouldn't have done that unless she was the panda. Um, also, uh, the great ancestor. Yeah. Who was in? So who was she exactly besides a great ancestor? Well, it says that when her um, village was at war or whatever, oh, like all the men yeah. went away. So she needed to protect her family, That's and right. so the great panda spirit. Um, like basically gave her this power to be able to transform into a giant red panda for the purpose of defending her family. And they don't know how far back, like she great, great, great grandmother. It's just some ancestor. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Well, that helps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that. Um, And and then also um, I felt like the school, I feel like the school loved her in panda mode strangely easy and fast. They're like, she's a panda. We love it. And I was like, it, it just was like, really? Is that really what kids would do? And like, um, no, and then no one thought to like expose it. Even Tyler, uh, <laughs> didn't like really threaten. It. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of pushback to the Panda. Yeah. And that, that, that was like a little strange for me. Um, and then also with, with the gang accepting 
Tyler at the concert. He was a, like I said, he was a total turd. He said some terrible things about uh, her family. Granted, she did kind of like attack him, and like yeah. I'm sure she felt bad about it. And he did say like I'm sorry while crying, but then again, like you already said what you said, bro. But uh, but I'm glad she forgave him. But the, the point is, is like you know. Th- they see him at the concert and then they're like, yeah, we're a club now. So I felt like they accepted him strangely easy. The school accepted the Panda strangely easy. That was just a little small notes there, but yeah. So, I yeah. mean, we got into this a little bit last episode, um, talking about the, the far fetched moments of toy story and how I'm learning to accept those moments because they actually propel the story yeah, forward. And I think that. that's what this is where, when I was watching it, I didn't have that issue with those moments. Like when when the kids were like, oh my gosh, it's a panda. To me, I didn't question it, the realisticness of those moments. I think that I'm just, yeah. My my brain was probably more in a position of like, does this serve yeah. the story? Well, I've got a quick picks pitch. Picks pitch. All right. So my picks pitch is for both those situations, I think the story writers could have ex- explained a way to have there be acceptance through a cool story beat. So with the panda, you know, maybe there's a way for May to show that her showing the side of her, it's, it's, I don't know that like, there's a way to show it that like, Hey, this it's okay because like we all, we all have weird parts and maybe there's a way she could have done it to help someone. Um, but my main picks pitch is for Tyler. Cause I, I do agree that he's a, he's a good character and I think they could have had a really good moment where, um, like, okay. So when, when may gets ex- reaccepted by her friends at the concert yeah. after she like, you know, denied them or whatever. Um, like at first you're like, wow, her friends like straight up are like, no, sorry, we're not taking you back. And I was like, wow, really? That's kind of harsh. But then like they make a, a little uh, joke or something like that. Oh, it was the, the Gamagachi, the like little toy thing. Yeah. And she had been, her friend had been taking care of it. And so then they, they come together and like, oh wow, they, they still cared for each other even during that hard time. And they came together. Well, with Tyler, um, there could have totally been a way where t- where they, they somehow were chatting and Tyler could have explained a little bit about his family situation or, or or whatever's going on causing him to be the way he is, there could have been a way for him to express that for her to have empathy on him. Hmm. And so for her to forgive the things that he did because there's maybe there's like a little bit of cycle stuff going on in his family. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there could have been a little more complexity to show like where he came from, but also there could be a little bit more redemption and forgiveness and empathy rather than just like, you like our favorite band. Cool. We'll be friends, which granted is kind of a middle school thing to do. But I do think that there could have been a little bit of a um, more empathy created there. So that's my picks pitch. But gotcha. I think that's definitely something to, to, to ponder. But I think for me, the whole idea that you talk about, about the cycles that the family goes through. Yeah. This might be a Pixar feels. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're making me emotional. That's not me really sniffing. That's our stinger. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my uh, my Pixar feels uh, is definitely going to be in the mystical world, whatever you call it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. When she goes in, uh, when her whole family, they all go together and she walks up and she hears someone sniffling just like yeah. that. And she sees her mom, but it's a teenage version of her mom. Mm-hmm. And she has the red hair and her mom is crying, breaking down because um, she's reflecting on um, her relationship with her own mom and not feeling enough. Um, and then there's a there's a moment where um, uh, May goes to her mom and her mom says, like, you know, I'll, I'll never be enough for her. Um, I hurt her, 
you know, um, and now we, now we know where the scar comes from, from, from her, from her grandmother. And then, and then May says, oh, I never put that together. Yeah. That's the scar. Yeah. Oh, I kept looking at the scar <laughs> and thinking, oh, that's a, that's a cool, like little character accent. Like I didn't think about the story implication. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I will let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You queue it up again. The Pixar field. No, <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then May says like, I, "You you may think that you're not, not enough, but but you but you are, and you'll you'll yeah. see, you yeah. know." And then she takes her to 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 her family, and then then her mom makes up with her grandmother. That's my Pixar feels, and and that's for me like that's that's my message. That's my takeaway from this film is while we all do have these parts, you know, of us that are messy that that we don't want to show to people, while it is important to like learn to to have peace with that and. To, to recognize that you know the way we are what we've been through how we feel about things like yeah. we can't help we can't help that while that is like an important message I think this message that we are enough yeah you know um, and uh, and that we're loved and um, and that how we can kind of express that empathy to others uh, who may even have hurt us yeah um, to me like that's that's kind of yeah what, what I got out of it, but. yeah so back to the 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 scene with the the teenage mom uh, that is also my Pixar films. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I wrote that down like right away. I was like uh, starting to get choked up during that scene, and I was like, "This is this is the Pixar feels moment." Well, then Malin takes her mom's hand and she walks her to where all the other uh, family is. There's like this beautiful scene of reconciliation between the grandma and the mom yeah and then i was like oh maybe this is the pixar feels moment (laughs) and was it yeah basically (laughs) i basically had i had two two pixar feels moments but yeah i um i really love that whole sequence like all the way from like her talking to her mom um to the the grandma saying basically like this is your decision mm-hmm. and then like the the moment where she doesn't step through the the little mirror portal thing yeah. and then like we see um i forget what their their ancestor's name is but the the ancestor kind of comes down and like scoops her up and they like fly and like they're silhouetted up against the moon and it's just like visually beautiful like breathtaking like some of the coolest visuals i think in in pixar history uh happened in this movie um i will go on record saying that so now we we can i mean you kind of already touched on what your takeaways were but um we can we can move into the claw, the claw. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where we talk about what we got out of the movie um so did you have any any more or did you kind of yeah i kind of combined mine in a way um but I, yeah I, I would say i think that expectations for me is was my takeaway it's a twofold it's it's like basically it's like where do we find our worth you know yeah it's like it's ultimately the question and it's like do you find your worth from what your parents think about you do you find your worth about where um your, what your friends think about you and it's like that question doesn't mean like y- you can find your worth outside of that while still like honoring your family too. Yeah. It's kind of get back to your point earlier. Yeah. So I kind of felt like, um, like my takeaway is like, yeah, like I, for me, like, you know, like I have, I have faith in God. So like I find my worth in him, but then also like 
even though like I've definitely been through stuff, I've, I, I go to counseling regularly. I've, I definitely like have my inner beasts of stuff that I've gone through yeah. uh, with my family, like growing up and a lot of the dysfunction that happened, but I still can have like this duty to like, to love my family and to find that common ground that they kind of do in this movie and like learn to like, f- kind of like forgive mm-hmm. because I'm sure like my parents have, have had that issue of like, of, of expectations and like feeling like, like, are they enough? Um, as you know, parents, like I'm sure it goes both ways, you know? Um, and so, um, but also definitely, um, you don't have to play it again, but my other Pixar feels was about with her friends and when her, her friends, like, uh, when they see the panda and then she like pulls them all in and she's yeah. like, are you going to be okay? And they nod. And then she like lets them go. And then they're just like, we love you. We love you, May, like mm-hmm. panda and all. And that, that is my, my other takeaway is like speaking of like these, you know, these, these things that I've been through and, and, and my own issues, like we all have these issues and stuff and, or just things that we, we feel or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like in the, in, in the proper context and in the proper way, you know, am I with the people that I love, you know, like, am I, am I real, you know? Yeah. Or like, do I, like when I hang out with you, Gareth, do I show a certain side that I think you'll like about me mm-hmm. or do I just show you like who I really am? And, um, and then do I trust that like, you would still like love me or you wouldn't be like, Oh Ben, like you're that way. Um, that's a universal experience that I'm sure a lot of us think about. Um, Oh yeah. But anyways, that's for me. What, what about you? Yeah. Like on the topic of friends, I just want to say at the top, like this movie makes me so thankful for my friends, like which are my chosen family. Cause that's like kind of the big theme of like family versus chosen family mm-hmm. and how you don't need to pick between those two things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like overall this just made me really thankful for my friends. So thank you, Ben, for choosing me as your chosen family. <laughs> um, but oh, you're welcome, buddy. But yeah, uh, my other big takeaway, uh, I think this is a powerful movie because similar to how Onward and Luca are very personal stories that evolved from their director's youths, Mm -hmm. uh, this film feels like an individual's voice. Um, Unlike so many other Pixar movies that can, um, I mean, maybe not so many others, but like not all of them are necessarily as personal as the three I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, which are very transparently personal because the directors have openly talked about like their, their childhood inspiring uh, those movies. But Mm -hmm. um, it's a story about family curses, balancing your priorities and then growing up. Um, And I'm a sucker for coming of age stories. And this one gave one of the most honest and unique female perspectives I've seen in this genre um, outside of maybe eighth grade. That's really my takeaway. So um, now I guess uh, what's what's left is the verdict on uh, two peps. We got two peps ready to go. <laughs> how many uh, how many slices are we given this? Oh, well, how many slices? Um, so for me, I'm giving it uh, and again, this is this is fresh. This is fresh pizza. As you heard, it just came out of the oven. Yeah. So we'll see how the how the pizza ages over time. Hot, hot pizza. <laughs> but the fresh hot pizza, I'm giving it. I'm giving it eight point five pizza slices. Oh wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. So I'm I'm giving it seven point five. Oh okay. Out of ten. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel like I need to justify that. <laughs> it was great. It was a great movie. But yeah, I, I, I just want to leave, leave a little bit of a margin for room for like, you know. The greats. The yeah, classic. The, yes. Pixar, yeah. There, there we go. I think it deserves definitely a high score, which I think 7.5 is, is a good score. So um, I would also rank this one 
number 16. Okay. Out of the 26 uh, Pixar movies, yeah, it's kind of in that mid-range. Yeah. I've got mine in 13th, so yeah, definitely mid-range as oh, well. Oh, wow. You really liked this movie. I'm surprised to hear that because I think that in my mind, I was like, okay, I love this movie and I'm giving it a great score. And now I'm hearing you giving it even better score. So, Well, I think, so it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, we've talked about this before. Yeah. But with organizing Pixar films, it's so tough. Yeah, it's it really is. Because they're all great. Like, can we can can we just like go on record here agreeing that really there's there's maybe one bad Pixar movie? <laughs> yeah, it's true. You, you can't go wrong, and and that's what that's one of the coolest things about doing this podcast too is like because their track record is like for the most part like really high. It's just so fun to talk about their movies, and you know, and they change over time. You know, like um, we mentioned this before. Uh, I think in our intro intro episode about how. Um, you know, whether you're young or you're old, you can connect with these movies. And I think in time, I think they age well, but also I think different movies age better for you depending on where you're at in life. And so I think for me, I don't know, I, I definitely relate to the film. I, there's a lot that I took away. Maybe in time, maybe it'll settle back to more of like an eight or maybe, maybe a high seven in time, depending on how it goes. Um, and maybe after I watch some of the other, other films, like I think it's just above like, or it's right, right on the area of like Luca for me onward, uh, Monsters U, um, uh, some of those films like that. So you know maybe it'll shift around, but I think it's yeah, I think it's a great film. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, but definitely yeah. I, I wouldn't put it in the upper tier for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's worth noting to our listeners that uh, our our rankings probably will move around quite a lot, especially as things age. Because like I mentioned in our last episode, I think Toy Story aged really well yeah. like and it and it definitely got a way better score than i expected it to so it's just one of those things where our opinions can change and things definitely feel different uh, as time goes on so um that being said uh it sounds like the pizza planet truck is on the move did you catch it so uh, I didn't see the Pizza Planner truck. <laughs> uh, I didn't either. I was hoping I, one of us did. <laughs> I was I was kind of distracted uh, throughout the beginning of the movie, and then I was like, oh yeah, I need to be looking for that. And I'm, I was like recalling, okay, there's multiple scenes already that we've seen with cars, so could have been back there. Um, I might have missed it towards the beginning of the movie. I don't know if our listeners spotted it. Feel free to point it out. Yeah, let us know. Um, we have. Uh, we don't have a YouTube channel yet. Um, in time, maybe that'll be a good place for people to, for comments. Um, but definitely our Instagram and, yeah. and Facebook is a good place to, um, we'll put out some content, but maybe we'll find a way that we can like see, see if people have found the Easter eggs. I don't know. Yeah. We'll think yeah. Of something, like but. if you, if you just leave a comment on Facebook or Instagram, any of our posts, like we'll see it. So, um, but yeah. Um, did you catch any other Easter eggs? You know, I, I, I did not see, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think I saw the Luxo ball. I didn't see a one one three and um, John Ratzenberg. I didn't catch. It. What about you? Did, did you catch any of these? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping you did. One of us. So had so I didn't catch any of the the main ones. Uh, in fact, I was looking very hard for John Ratzenberger and the a one number a one one three insert number here. Yeah yeah. Um, yep. I, I was looking for that because I remember there's being a scene very early on where she's like doing math homework and I was like, oh, oh yeah. I wonder if it's in one of these equations. Started yeah. looking for it and then the, the scene cut away and I was like, oh man, I should have paused it. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, no, I didn't catch any of that. The only Easter egg in the actual movie that I caught was um, the bunny from Burrow was a sticker on her notebook when she was drawing all the the pictures of the the guy inside her notebook. The notebook was decorated with stickers, and one of them was the bunny from Burrow, which is a spark short on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't seen it, it's really good. The other Easter egg I spotted wasn't really an Easter egg because it wasn't even in the movie, but in the the behind-the-scenes featurette, uh, there's a brief shot where you see an actual, like, real-life red panda playing with a Luxo ball. Oh, Um, nice. Because the the artists went to the zoo to, like, sketch red pandas for pre-pro. Cool. And, uh, and, yeah, they let it play with a Luxo ball. So you see a brief shot of that in the the behind-the-scenes, which was pretty cool. But Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I didn't catch that. And then, um, oh, the uh, a character on for the next movie, though I guess we wouldn't know until the next movie comes out. Well, Lightyear oh, is yeah. the next movie, so yeah. I didn't see any Lightyear Easter eggs. Any buzzes? Any any Buzz Lightyears? Um, yeah, we we did poorly on yeah. trying to <laughs> try. We we uh, we didn't cheat. Uh, at least I didn't. I didn't look up anything. Um, so maybe maybe in a future. Uh, episode we will we'll have figured out where everything is but yeah we'll, we'll be more prepared next time yeah <laughs> so we'll give a chance to guess and then we'll have like a cheat sheet yeah yeah so uh that was uh turning red and uh we will call it a night i think yeah is do, that- do we do we have anything else uh um Follow us on social media. We have Instagram now. We have Facebook now. You can follow us on those platforms and engage in any kind of conversation. We just love Pixar and we're willing to talk about anything. Um, hopefully we'll be posting some memes on social media later. I made some memes, so. Ooh, awesome. Well, thank you all so much for uh, for joining us on this ride. Um, this is our second official episode, so more coming out uh, monthly. Yep, we are a monthly podcast, uh, so make sure you subscribe. Yeah, subscribe, follow us, um, join the conversation. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys and just create you know, a Pixar fan community, so we're really excited about doing that. So more to come. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, once again, I'm Gareth. And I'm Ben. And we're your delivery guys. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. To infinity and beyond. Over onward. Pizza out.